0: Unknown mystery space, science has fun, adventure, suspense, fantasy, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Into.
1: Welcome to Journey number 172 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring Lionizing by Edgar Allan Poe. I am your guide on this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Well, hello there. I'm back with another Edgar Allan Poe story for this Edgar Allan Poe month. And I believe I said last time that I'm trying to show a variety of his work uh, because he's so much known for the horror content and the more morose stories, uh, which are great and fantastic. But he did write a varied amount of subjects and genres, I guess you could say. And a few of them are like humorous tales, comedies, I guess you could say. And so I wanted to feature this story, Lionizing, as one of his comedies. I read somewhere that it's considered one of his personal favorites, uh, mainly because it's one of the only humorous stories that he put into a collection of his works while he was alive. Uh, A couple years ago, I ran for you a radio adaptation of one of his stories called Never Bet the Devil Your Head. And I considered that one a comedy too. It was it was kind of a thumbing his nose at critics who had said that his stories needed to have a moral to them. And so he came up with a very literal moral of a story and told a, a crazy little story about uh, this man of many vices and often made the oath that uh, to bet the devil is head. And <laughs> it came to a kind of a humorous little ending and moral to the story. And I, I've always liked that one um, as, as a good example of his humor and his um, satire. I guess, you know, that that goes hand in hand. Satire is comedy. It's making fun of something with a point. To it, you can have very bitter satire as well. That's not as funny, but it's very pointed. Uh, but at least, as far as my experience with Poe is, is uh, most of his satire is is meant to be comedic, to be poking fun at someone or something. And I read a little thing that talked about kind of an analysis of this story and, and what was he sat- satirizing. And I'll talk maybe more about that after we listen to the story. Um and uh, I got Dave Robinson to narrate this story for me and at the time because at one point because I I had kind of chosen this story last year or something like that, I said, okay, next year I'm gonna do that because it's a fairly short story. And I thought, you know that's something that I could probably narrate and I had read through it, but I didn't like in detail like if I were going to narrate this story, read through it in that vein Um, but then I just knew that I'd run out of time with many of the other things that I'm doing and so I said you know Dave has always been an amazing narrator not only for this podcast but many stories and many uh, podcasts of his own that he's done and so I've always appreciated his talent and his friendliness and willingness to lend a hand or lend his voice I should say and we had I, when I met with Dave earlier this year in person, he had asked me about the, the Poe stories coming up and, and if I had more Poe work for him to do. And man, he knocked this out in super fast speed. I was totally blown away by how fast he narrated this for me. But in listening to his narration, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did this to Dave because there are so many words to pronounce in this story. And it's, it's just a parade of pronouncements, <laughs> a, par, a parade of pronunciation as we go through this story. And man, again, as always, Dave knocks it out of the park. And so I've, I've blabbed on here enough uh, before you hear the story. So uh, please come with me as we journey into the city of Fumfudge.
0: Lionizing by Edgar Allan Poe. I am, that is to say, I was, a great man. But I am neither the author of Junius nor the man in the mask, for my name, I believe, is Robert Jones, and I was born somewhere in the city of Fumfudge. The first action of my life was the taking hold of my nose with both hands. My mother saw this and called me a genius. My father wept for joy and presented me with a treatise on nosology. This I mastered before I was breached. I now began to feel my way in the science and soon came to understand that, provided a man had a nose sufficiently conspicuous, he might, by merely following it, arrive at a lionship. ship. BUT MY ATTENTION WAS NOT CONFINED TO THEORIES ALONE. EVERY MORNING I GAVE MY proboscis A COUPLE OF PULLS AND SWALLOWED A HALF-DOZEN OF DRAMS. WHEN I CAME OF AGE, MY FATHER ASKED ME ONE DAY IF I WOULD STEP WITH HIM INTO HIS STUDY. MY SON, HE SAID WHEN WE WERE SEATED, WHAT IS THE CHIEF END OF YOUR EXISTENCE? MY FATHER, I ANSWERED, IT IS THE STUDY OF NOSOLOGY. "'And what, Robert?' he inquired, "'is nosology, "'Sir,' I said, "'it is the science of noses.' "'And can you tell me,' he demanded, "'what is the meaning of a nose?' "'A nose, my father,' I replied, greatly softened, "'has been variously defined by about a thousand different authors.' "'Here I pulled out my watch.' "'It is now noon, or thereabouts. "'We shall have time enough to get through with them all before midnight. "'To commence, then, the nose, according to Bartholinus, "'is that protuberance, that bump, that excrescence, that—' "'Will do, Robert,' interrupted the old gentleman. "'I am thunderstruck at the extent of your information. "'I am positively, upon my soul—' Here he closed his eyes and placed his hand upon his heart. Come here. Here he took me by the arm. Your education may now be considered as finished. It is high time you should scuffle for yourself, and you cannot do a better thing than merely follow your nose. So, so, so. Here he kicked me down the stairs and out the door. So get out of my house, and God bless you. As I felt within me the divine afflatus, I considered this accident rather fortunate than otherwise. I resolved to be guided by the paternal advice. I determined to follow my nose. I gave it a pull or two upon the spot, and wrote a pamphlet on nosology forthwith. All thumbfudge was in an uproar, "'Wonderful genius,' said the Quarterly. "'Superb physiologist,' said the Westminster. "'Clever fellow,' said the Foreign. "'Fine writer,' said the Edinburgh. "'Profound thinker,' said the Dublin. "'Great man,' said Bentley. "'Divine soul,' said Fraser. "'One of us,' said Blackwood. "'Who can he be?' said Mrs. Barblew. "'What?' Can he be? said Big Miss Babloo. Where can he be? said Little Miss Babloo. But I paid these people no attention whatever. I just stepped into the shop of an artist. The Duchess of Bless My Soul was sitting for her portrait. The Marquis of So and So was holding the Duchess's poodle. The Earl of This and That was flirting with her salts. And His Royal Highness of Touch Me Not. "'was leaning upon the back of her chair. "'I approached the artist and turned up my nose. "'Oh, beautiful!' sighed her grace. "'Oh, my!' lisped the Marquis. "'Oh, shocking!' groaned the earl. "'Oh, abominable!' growled his royal highness. "'What will you take for it?' asked the artist. "'For his nose!' "'shouted her grace. "'A thousand pounds,' said I, sitting down. "'A thousand pounds,' inquired the artist musingly. "'A thousand pounds,' said I. "'Beautiful,' said he, entranced. "'A thousand pounds,' said I. "'Do you warrant it?' he asked, turning the nose to the light. "'I do,' said I, blowing it well. "'Is it quite original?' he inquired, touching it with reverence. "Humph," said I, twisting it to one side. "'Has no copy been taken?' he demanded, surveying it through a microscope. "'None,' said I, turning it up. "'Admirable!' he ejaculated, thrown quite off his guard by the beauty of the manoeuvre. "'A thousand pounds!' said i a thousand pounds said he precisely said i a thousand pounds said he just so said i you shall have them said he what a piece of virtue so he drew me a check upon the spot and took a sketch of my nose I engaged rooms at German Street and sent Her Majesty the ninety-ninth edition of the Nosology with a portrait of the proboscis. That sad little rake, the Prince of Wales, invited me to dinner. We are all lions and recherches. There was a modern Platonist. He quoted Porphyril, Iamblichus, Plotinus, Proclus, Heracles, Maximus Tyreus, and Syrianus. There was a human perfectibility man. He quoted Tergeau, Price, Priestley, Condeset, de Stael, and the ambitious student in ill health. There was Sir Positive Paradox. He observed that all fools were philosophers, and that all philosophers were fools." There was Aestheticus Ethics. He spoke of fire, unity, and atoms, bipart and pre-existent soul, affinity and discord, primitive intelligence, and homumria. There was Theologos Theology. He talked of Eusebius and Arianus, heresy and the Council of Nice, Puseism and Consubstantialism, Homusios and Homusiosios, There was Fricassee from the Rocher de Concal. He mentioned Muratin of Red Tongue, Cauliflowers with Velouti sauce, Veal a la Saint-Meneholt, Marinade a la Saint-Florentine, and Orange Jellies on Mosaic. There was Bilbus Obumper. He touched upon Latour and Marc Brunen, upon Monsieur and Chamberlain, upon Richburg and Saint-Georges, upon Aubriant Léonville and Médoc, upon Barrac and Pregnac, upon Grave, upon Sauterne, upon Lafitte, and upon saint pere He shook his head at Claude de Vougeot and told with his eyes shut the difference between Sherry and Amontillado. There was Signor Tintan Tintino from Florence. He discoursed of Cimabue, Arpino, Carpaccio, and Argostino of the gloom of Caravaggio, of the amenity of Albano, of the colors of Titian, of the frows of Rubens, and of the waggeries of Jan Steen. There was the president of the Fumfudge University. He was of the opinion that the moon was called Bendis in Thrace, Bubastis in Egypt, Dian in Rome, and Artemis in Greece. There was the Grand Turk from Stamboul, He could not help thinking that the angels were horses, cocks, and bulls, that somebody in the sixth heaven had 70,000 heads, and that the earth was supported by a sky-blue cow with an incalculable number of green horns. There was Delphinus polyglot, He told us what had become of the eighty-three lost tragedies of Aeschylus, of the fifty-four orations of Isaeus, of the three hundred and ninety-one speeches of Lysias, of the hundred and eighty treatises of Theophrastus, of the eighth book of the conic sections of Apollonius, of Pindar's hymns and dithyrambics, and of the five and forty tragedies of Homer Jr there was ferdinand fritz fossilus feldspar. he informed us all about internal fires and tertiary formations about aeriforms fluidiforms and solid forms about quartz and marl about schist and shale about gypsum and trap about talc and calc, about blend and hornblend, about mica-slate and pudding-stone, about cyanite and lepidolite about hematite and tremolite, about antimony and chalcedony, about manganese and whatever you please. There was myself. I spoke of myself, of myself, of myself, of myself, of nosology, of my pamphlet, and... "'of myself.' "'I turned up my nose, "'and I spoke of myself. "'Marvelous clever man,' said the prince. "'Superb,' said his guests. "'And next morning her grace of bless my soul "'paid me a visit. "Will you go to Almac's, pretty creature?' "'she said, tapping me under the chin. "'Upon honour, said I. "'Nose and all,' she asked. "'As I live,' I replied. "'Here, then, is a card, my life. Shall I say you will be there? Dear Duchess, with all my heart.' "'Pshaw, no, but with all your nose.' "'Every bit of it, my love,' said I. So I gave it a twist or two, and found myself at Almax. The rooms were crowded to suffocation. "'He's coming!' "'said somebody on the staircase. "'He's coming!' said somebody farther up. "'He's coming!' said somebody farther still. "'He is come!' exclaimed the Duchess. "'He is come!' the little love seizing me firmly by both hands. "'She kissed me thrice upon the nose.' "'A marked sensation immediately ensued. Diavolo! cried Count Capricornuti. "'Dios guarda!' "'muttered Don Stiletto. "'Mille tonneres!' ejaculated the Prince of Grenouille. "'Tausen Tufel!' growled the Elector of Bludenoff. "'It was not to be borne. "'I grew angry. "'I turned short upon Bludenoff, "'Sir!' I said to him. "'You are a baboon!' "'Sir!' he replied after a pause." Donner und Blitzen! This was all that could be desired. We exchanged cards. At Chalk Farm the next morning, I shot off his nose, and then called upon my friends. Bet, said the first. Fool, said the second. Dolt, said the third. Ass, said the fourth. Ninny, said the fifth. Noodle, said the sixth. Be off, said the seventh. At all this I felt mortified, and so called upon my father. "'Father,' I asked, "'what is the chief end of my existence?' "'My son,' he replied, "'it is still the study of nosology, "'but in hitting the elector upon the nose "'you have overshot your mark. "'You have a fine nose, it is true, "'but then Bludinoff has none.' You are damned, and he has become the hero of the day. I grant you that in thumb fudge the greatness of a lion is in proportion to the size of his proboscis. But good heavens, there is no competing with a lion who has no proboscis at all.
1: So there you go. There is Lionizing by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, as narrated by Dave Robison. Now, was I lying about his ability to narrate and to pronunciate uh, for this story? We'll we'll talk about this story shortly here. Uh, But in my correspondence with Dave, I said, yeah, man, I, I, I didn't realize how much pronunciation there was in this story sorry for springing this on you with all that in there and he says yeah it was quite a bit and he had gone through the story the text of the story and he I think he said he spent you know close to an hour going through and getting the pronunciations and writing or typing them into the script of the story so he didn't have to think about it it was just all printed out and I wish I would have thought ahead enough to do that for him So I I really appreciate that extra effort that he put forth. And again, he knocked it out in like less than a week, if not just a couple days. So I really appreciate his willingness to do that for me. And it I love the way that this story came out. Give this man a job. He needs to be constantly using his voice and getting compensated for it. In fact... Head on over to Dave's website, uh, butterymanvoice.com, which is a very apt description of Dave Robison. Uh, he's a great guy, and it, head on over there and check out his work there and send him a message and tell him how, how much you appreciate his talent and his work. Uh, as for the story itself, you know, it's a it's a fun little tale. And again, it kind of has a little bit of a moral to it, right, his what he his dad tells him at the end. And I said I had read a little thing about you know an analysis of this story and, and what people think it means. And they, they cited a couple of notable writings from other people that a story that he might have been riffing off of, and uh, some people who had had fell from grace in society around that time, and and maybe that's what he was satirizing. Um, I look at it as a satire on just celebrity in general and how fragile and fleeting that celebrity can be. You know, (laughs) Poe chose to use somebody's nose as what gave them notoriety and respect and love in the community, but how fleeting that was, and he was the cause of his own demise in popularity, right? He shot off the other guy's nose in a duel, making him stand out and get sympathy or popularity from other people. And, you know, you see that in Hollywood, how fickle the audience can be, where somebody's just on top, and then uh, maybe they have a couple bad movies or something in their personal life shows up. And and sometimes, you know, it's, it's something that they've done that's horrible that you can obviously see why they're not popular anymore or looked down upon. Uh, But sometimes it's something very simple, like they gained weight or, you know, who knows what it could be. They said something um, that offended someone where it really didn't need to be. Uh, it, It was taken too far or out of context or whatever. Like I said, oftentimes it's also justifiable that's something that they said was too inappropriate to overcome. And, uh, you know, we could go into a whole conversation about that. But I guess just, you know, popularity is, especially in, in Hollywood, but in general too, you know, lionizing is a term that is, is outdated. We don't talk about being a lion or being in the lion ship kind of thing. But lionizing is just becoming popular You think of royalty and things like that where obviously somebody's social position uh, puts them as a lion or an influencer, I guess you could say, in society. So even though it's an outdated term, it's not something we use anymore. It it basically denotes somebody's popularity, general popularity. And it's funny to watch people fan over others uh, for something that, that really isn't that great. But then again, how long is that going to last? And so, yeah, I think this is a fun example of, of a different type of story that people might not necessarily connect to the name of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. You know, his own popularity has skyrocketed uh, since his death. And it's one of those examples of, I'm glad that people still expose kids to this in, in school, you know, Different kids hate literature. They hate being exposed to Shakespeare and Edgar Allan Poe and all these old dead white guys that wrote stories back in the day. And to some extent, I understand that, depending on, but you know, I would hate for these voices to be silenced, that nobody would ever know the name of Edgar Allan Poe. But you know, he's had such an influence on things and, and, at some point in your life, you're going to hear about Edgar Allan Poe, and you're going to hear things about his death or his life or his stories. And yeah, he's, he's of still an influencer of literature to this day. But like I've talked about many times on this podcast, he never had that notoriety or popularity. In some circles, he may have been a lion in his own lifetime you know, maybe in the magazine world and and in some circles of literature or contemporary literature, but not to the extent that he has been. In many respects, he was considered a failure. I'm glad that I've gotten to read the works and I've sought out more and more of the works of Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm glad that I have this platform, this podcast, to uh, share these little things with you. Things you may have heard already. Things you may not have known were written by edgar Allan poe or had ever heard of before Um, so it's kind of fun so i got one more installment this year and so i'll be back with a classic poe story one that many people know uh, him for having written and that'll be the black cat and i'll be talking about that with rish outfield who also narrated uh, that story for us so I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. And another fantastic uh, narrator in the business that doesn't get the amount of respect he deserves. (laughs) Uh, So again, thank you, Dave. And for now, I I guess I'm going to bug out of here, but we'll be back soon with more Edgar Allan Poe. Until then, uh, stay safe out there, huh? And journey on. The Journey Into podcast is produced under creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you are encouraged to share this podcast with as many people as you would like, Uh, but please don't change it or sell it and let people know where you got it from.